Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Handout demanding that I pay the money that I work for, at least that's what you say. But what gives you that power? Who died and made you boss? I'm barely getting by today, I can't afford that loss. So if you don't show some legal obligation that I pay, put your hand back in your pocket, turn around and go away. There are folks who rot in prison. Because they didn't pay And the troubles that the families have Well, they just won't go away So many generations Have had to live in fear They dig and scrape and struggle To pay income tax each year I've got a peaceful nature And I don't like to fight But you're pushing us against the wall Cause you won't do what's right Show me the law A tax on all the things I buy And when I go out to eat Sherry Jackson, Aaron Russo, Eddie Brown And Larkin Rose, Erwin Schiff and Joseph Bannister Showed we all paid through the nose There are millions that have seen freedom to fascism this year I suggest you turn around and get your butt right out of here 2,000 pages in a book, the IRS's code when you read it very carefully, you'll find that nothing's old. I did a little research till I found income to find. Well, I ain't no corporation, so leave that argument behind. Yeah, you can stick your chest out, you can prance and you can strut. But you better do it someplace else before I kick your butt. Show me the law. The Congress and the Senate know the facts But they won't lift the finger No, they won't stop the income tax They've got their corporate buddies Making fortunes from a war To them, deaths are statistics And they're just keeping score I don't like intimidation And I refuse to live in fear I suggest you quit your job And go and find a new career You say it's voluntary when you stop at a red light But that law is written in the books It's there in black and white If no law says that 
Won't work with me no more So you may as well 
Welcome to the Waterman Files. Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. Good afternoon. It's January the 9th, and it's important for you to remember, of course, that you aren't, uh, gosh, you're not alone. I hope he's listening to this. We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much so many loved ones gone but you are not alone there are pockets of resistance all around the planet we are at the brink we are at the brink we are at the brink You are not alone. We are in this together. You are not alone. You are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. We are in this together. You know, if I could get some people and say that in German and French and Dutch and whatever else we've got out there, I'd have them do it. But uh, I, I can say it in German. Out. There you go. We'll do that. <laughs> du bist nicht allein. That's a conversant German. And hi, German. Well, side nicht allein. Okay. Well, we're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get everybody to record us. Uh, you are not alone. That's yeah. important. It, it's important yeah. for us to know. Yeah. And know the we... Frenchman can say it another way. We're not alone. We've got Muslims everywhere. <laughs> Killing us, too. Well, this the person that you're hearing, of course, is Eli James. He's back with us today. We had uh, been talking earlier about the topic of his trip to South Africa. Today, we must, in my opinion, keep our eyes peeled on what might be prophetically the beginning of the end, you know. And um, so today we're going to be talking about war with Russia. That's not the only person, of course, that probably we would be fighting. It would probably include China, too. But let's talk about uh, what's going on there. Eli's going to be with us. We're just going to have us a nice uh, conversation. I hope everybody is uh, ready to, uh, as the sun starts setting in the east, it might start getting a little cooler, huh? How, how cold is uh, it where sun, you're at? The sun setting in the east? Did I miss something? I mean, the west. Uh, well, uh, I meant for the people in the Has east the when the sun sets. Occurred without my knowledge. 
<laughs> oh well, I guess everybody can figure out what the heck I mean. So yeah. anyway, what? So how cold is it where you're at? Uh, eight degrees and dropping. So you've worn you. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's global warming, Doc. <laughs> if we have more of this global warming, we're going to freeze to death. <laughs> well, you know, let's read some of these things. We're going to be talking about Russia today, but I've got, I've just, I've got to read some of the headlines. Pro-Russia hackers cripple German government sites is what they're purporting. Okay. Here's another one. Russian government. Def- demands control over food prices. Donetsk Republic's military mobilization wave in Ukraine is provocation against civilians. Of course it is. Here's a really interesting one. Now this one's going to spark a lot of controversy in that it's very politically incorrect. But I kind of wish we had one of these laws in America. Now, that's probably going to get us off the air, because when you hear this, (laughs) here's the title of the article. This is by RussiaNews.net. Russia disqualifies transgender people from driving. Wow. Wow. Not running for office, but... Driving. <laughs> Russian <laughs> Prime Minister Dmitry. But are they allowing him to run for office? That's the important question. <laughs> well, let's see what they do have. Here's the law. It says a Russian Prime Minister, Minister uh, Dmitry Medvedev, recently signed off on a decree indicating people will be banned from their drivers getting a driver's license on their sexual identity and their preference. See, they passed a law already that said any sex out of the ordinary, meaning male male and female, is illegal. It says the decree was signed December the 29th and was published January 4th, establishes a list of medical conditions that disqualifies people from drying in an automobile in Russia, including some other physical disabilities they can't accommodate for, like you can't see, you know. But it also includes what the World Health Organization defines as gender identity disorders and disorders of sexual preference. And among these transsexualisms or the desire to live and be accepted by a a member of the opposite sex and the dual-role transvestite, or the wearing of clothes from the opposite sex in order to experience membership of the opposite sex is all defined in this law and therefore disqualifies you from getting a driver's license. Now, wow. how, how? Give me your thoughts about this. I mean, this is, well, I've never seen anything. Yeah, well, it's obvious that they're uh, cracking down on liberalism you know, and, and decadence, right? Uh, that's obviously the intention there, because you know they know that all of this transgender stuff going on in Jewish-run countries is simply to destabilize the country. Okay, and they're <laughs> tired of being destabilized by Jews. So uh, that I'm sure that's the reasoning behind it. 
Well, it's not like all of a sudden when they the Iron Curtain fell, all the Bolsheviks poofed and disappeared. You know, they yeah. they went into the woodwork, so to speak. But they're not right. gone. No, no in gone. fact, yeah. in fact, Putin's been having trouble with some pro-communist uh, groups trying to yeah. resurrect all that malarkey. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It says this degree, this decree was aimed at reducing the number of road fatalities in Russia, and okay. it even disqualifies diagnosed gambling addicts, uh, oh, wow. pyroma- pyromaniacs, and kleptomaniacs from driving, too. So, in other words, uh, unstable people, people who are unstable to begin with, are, mm-hmm. are good drivers? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And now, here's what's funny. Here's another thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this guy by the name of, or this person by the name of Anne, Anna okay. Carey, K-I-R-E-Y. They're the program director of the Open Society Foundation of Sexual Health and Rights Project. Okay. Oops. <laughs> they are going to end up losing their driver's license. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'll end up losing their minds, too. <laughs> now, here's what... Uh, here's what uh, Give us a prediction about what you think, if they mention this at all. What do you think is going to pop up in the press? Now, this just came. Uh, this just came out today. So, what do you think is going to happen <laughs> here? Well, what do yeah. you think here? They'll well, do say. Of course, they're going to denounce it up and down. You know, Russia's probably going to accuse Putin of being a communist again, right? When <laughs> he's actually, uh, you know, the major opponent of communism, and uh, what we have in America is Jewish communism on the sly because, you know, what is it when you have the welfare state? The welfare state takes away from the hardworking classes and gives to the non-working classes, which is exactly one of the main planks of the uh, Communist Manifesto. And and that's Mm -hmm. not the only one that uh, is being enforced. You know, the graduated income tax is another one. Okay, that's what we Right, right. Yeah, we've, we've got the whole slew, all 10 of the communist uh, manifesto planks are fully operational right here in America and in most of of the Western countries, okay? So while Russia is doing away with communism, the so-called West is adopting it and has adopted it in spades in the last, oh, I'd say 25 years, 25 years or so, Mm -hmm. ever since the, the Reagan administration. Because the Bushes, the Clintons, and the Obamas are total out-and-out communists. They they pretend to be other things, but they're not. They're communists. They want total government control of everything. But they leave a semblance of, you know, they leave some small enterprise, you know, uh, a $1,000 business here, a $100,000 business there, that uh, is allowed to continue to give the semblance of free enterprise. Okay, but yeah, most of it's yeah. corporate cap, corporate capitalism slash <laughs> total control of markets. Well, before the wall fell and it was still a Soviet Union, communist Bolshevik, right? Jewish controlled Soviet Union. There were Jewish owned banks that were in control of the banking system. Now, when right. the wall fell, all they did was take off the communist hat and put on the capitalist hat, and the same people are still there. Same right. bank. Yeah. Same people, uh, and uh, Putin has been trying to get rid of them, and that's kind of a scary thing because, I mean, you know, JFK didn't do too well yeah. with that idea. Right. Well, I'm sure he's gotten dozens of death threats 
or yes, from judo. Well, they, there was a yeah. Recently, there was a failed uh, assassination attempt. So, okay. Well, right. you know uh, Andrew Jackson. Uh, right. Two. What was there? Two failed. Uh, there was attempts on his life that failed. So. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another one. Kind of going. Uh, we're just kind of telling what's going on here in Russia right now. Russia's chief rabbi <laughs> urges politicians to present a common front against terrorism. <laughs> now, now, you know what? You know what? Doesn't that just smack of uh, this uh, homeland security mentality? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, you know. Oh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just? How? Come, it is so apropos uh, for a rabbi to say, "Oh, we've got to fight terrorism." Tell us, tell us what's going on, Eli, because well, of this. I mean, yeah, well, it's it's the same uh, sleight of hand. It's the Orwellian game of uh, Jewish dirty tricks, where only non-Jews can be accused of terrorism. But yet, the the biggest terrorist entity in the world is the Israeli state and the Mossad, and the ADL, and B'nai B'rith. These Jewish organizations finance terrorism the world over. And in fact, I was uh, later on in the show, I was planning on getting into the, uh, the groups that the Jews finance, such as ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Hamas. Okay, uh, So if, if that rabbi really wants to fight terrorism, he needs to go to the Israeli state and dismantle the Israeli state. And then maybe terrorism will subside, but no, no, it will not subside unless that's done, because that's all, where all the terrorism comes from. And and you know it wasn't you know it's not like we didn't already have laws for everything a terrorist would do. Oh, they blew up a bomb. They uh, killed this guy. They shot this person. They done this. They done that. Well, everything that I so far have seen terrorism being blamed on terrorism doing. We already had a law that said, sure. gosh, you're not supposed to steal, you're not supposed to kill, you're not supposed to, right. you know, all these things were already a law. Why did we need another one? Well, you yeah. know why? So it could be within the jurisdiction of the Fed where they have more control over the outcome and the handling of the <laughs> criminal. Right. In other words, they can, and now they can say, "Oh, well, this is a terrorist law, so now you do not get protection of the Constitution. Uh, You don't get your rights written to uh, read to you. You don't get a speedy trial. Maybe you don't even get a trial. We're just going to throw you in Gitmo Bay. Yeah, you get railroaded. (laughs) Yeah, right. So it was, it was exactly that. Now. You know, talking about the reason why I think this is funny, this first one about the preference of sex, mm-hmm. it's well known, I think, for all of us, isn't it, that Homeland Security is run by homosexuals. I mean, okay. come on. Jews, you know Jews, that, right? Jews and homosexuals, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jewish homosexuals, of course. That's right. And, of course, hey, for them, that's normal. That's and, right. and, and, and once you know, and once you know who they are, then it well, it does make sense. I mean, it's not some big surprise. Of course, Lucifer's children's going to think it's normal. Uh, so what? You know, big deal. You can expect that from them. But yeah, that's what they're doing. They're doing. Yeah. It. 
Now here's the here's another another thing. We've been talking about uh, the the attack. Well, let me back up. So because they have been upset, uh, you know, a lot of listeners may not be caught up on the fact that you know they've tried to say Russia attacked the Ukraine. Yeah, it did not. They didn't. No. no. And so they've decided to put financial sanctions on Russia. How's that going, Eli? <laughs> well, uh, we mentioned it briefly on Wednesday, you know, the, yeah. the oil price drop. And uh, I stated that uh, the oil price drop is being caused by Saudi Arabia and uh, the uh, hope of uh, influencing Russia and negatively impact the Russian economy. We both agreed that that's not going to work. And uh, because Russia is too self-sufficient, it doesn't need to export oil, uh, you know, as a commodity. It can it can do just fine without exporting oil. Okay, but here uh, I found uh, this is from uh, a Saudi think tank. From um, it's called the Daily Sabah, S A B A H, Energy. And underneath the, the the title is a caption by slashing its export prices for the U.S. market while hiking them for Asia. Saudi Arabia is forcing the price of oil down in an effort to put political pressure on Iran and Russia, according to a Saudi think tank. Okay, so this is confirms the conversation we had uh, last Wednesday. Let me just drop down to the second paragraph here. According to Rashid Abanmi, the president of Riyadh-based Saudi Arabia Oil Policies and Strategic Expectations Center, Saudi Arabia is forcing the price of oil down in an effort to put political pressure on Iran and Russia. In order to pressure Iran to limit its nuclear program and to change Russia's position on Syria, Riyadh will sell oil below the average spot price of 50 to $60 per barrel in Asian markets and North America, says Abanmi. The market decrease in the price of oil in the last three months from 92 to 92 from 115 a barrel was caused by Saudi Arabia, according to Abanmi. So here, you know, you're not going to hear this on the kosher press, the Jews news of ABC, NBC, and CBS. They're not going to reveal to you that the oil price is a de- deliberate ploy by the Saudis to uh, negatively impact Russia, Syria, and Iran. Okay? Now, mm-hmm. the question here is, for people, hey, hello, the Saudis are supposed to be Muslims. The Saudis are supposed to be Arabs. Why are they doing this to fellow Arab countries? Because they're, they're, <laughs> they're not yeah, Arabs. They're not Arabs. Yeah, they're not. Well, uh, let me back up and say it this way. The ruling family is not Arab. That's right. And yep. I, uh, Eli, this goes back many decades for me because I was involved uh, in uh, the design. You know, before I trained, uh, uh, switched careers, I worked mm-hmm. in the architecture. Our architectural firm had part of a big, big, big project in the late 70s of designing King Khalid Military City. It was a city out in the middle of the desert, out in the middle of nowhere, 
uh, from scratch in the sand. We built a city for 80,000 people, designed it from scratch. Wow. They couldn't use this. It was, what, it was kind of funny. They couldn't use the sand in Saudi Arabia because it had too much salt, so the concrete had to be uh, trucked in 24-7 and great big cement mixers from the Gulf mm-hmm. and brought in from outside the country. Uh, isn't yeah. that incredible? Right. Crazy. That means somebody is just absolutely getting too much money. Well, that just so happened to be, guess who? The ruling sheiks and king of Saudi Arabia. That's who. Uh-huh. Right. Let's give everybody an idea here. How much does this, what does this mean to Russia? Well, if you don't know, here's the deal. 52% of Russia's budget revenues come from the energy sector. Mm-hmm. Now, the energy sector is 27% of the total economy of Russia, so it's not like some huge amount of it, okay? It's mm-hmm. big, but it's not the whole thing. Right. However, this has caused them to do some economic uh, changes and measures, but what's funny is the Guardian has this heading, and it's saying plunging oil prices have rocked Russia, but... Putin may yet surprise us. Well, I'm sure he will, because there's something in the works called gold. Another thing that we want to refresh everybody's uh, thoughts on is, in 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 Russia, the dollar is also located there in, in shops, and people use the dollar. Let me kind of kind of acquaint people with this thought. You know, if you go to Europe. Maybe you go to Germany or to France. You could either use the you know the German mark or you could use the euro. Okay, mm-hmm. you could be experiencing this currency called the euro, right? Right. Well, if you go to Soviet Union, you can use dollars as well as as mm-hmm. rubles. In fact, there was four times as many four to one as there is ruble. So. Guess what they've been doing? They're trying to, to, you know, as it comes in and gets spent and deposited, they're taking those dollars, so to speak, and turning them in mm-hmm. and replacing it with uh, their own currency. Because when they get this all purged out, the rumor is to back it with gold, and they've got mm-hmm. the gold to do it. Right. So, so let's before we get into this nitty-gritty detail of actually how this war, economic war is is affecting us here in America, what's it doing? How's it affecting us? What can we look for? Uh when will it end? Will there be a war? Let's get into a little bit of the history. Why don't you tell us a little bit of who Russia is, who the Ukraine is, because this, this, the two are connected. Why don't we go right. there? I think that'll be well. Right. Yeah. Well, we have to go back to uh, at least 740 A.D. to a nation called Khazaria, and we have to pick it up from there because it was the Khazars mm-hmm. who converted to Judaism around that time, 740 A.D. And what that means is, and uh, you know, the impact, the importance of that development in the world today is that the vast majority of Jews in the world today are, in fact, Ashkenazi Khazars, none of whom ancestors ever set foot in ancient Palestine, 
none of whose ancestors are Israelites, uh, Judahites, Shemites, or Hebrews. They're, they're simply a, um, a completely different group of people, different, completely different ethnic group. But since they converted to Judaism in 740 A.D., since they converted, they have been running around the world claiming that they are the Israelites of the Old Testament. Okay, Now, we're talking about at least 95% of the world's Jews today who are, in fact, Khazars, not Israelites. And these are the people, it's the descendants of these people who created the Bolshevik Revolution, who created the uh, Bank of England and the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, who have been waging war and staging wars you know, through their banking operations for the, at least the last 150 years. Okay. So what we've got here is a very important ethnic minority who uh, are experts at manipulating countries, manipulating currencies, uh, manipulating commodities, because that's their business. That's their, their ancestral business is commercialism. Okay. So uh, these are the people who... Uh, let's uh, move up into the Bolshevik Revolution. These are the same people who starve to death anywhere from 6 to 12 million, depends on which historian you read, of real Ukrainians, okay, who are in fact the, uh, the also known as the Cossacks, who were white people who were... Uh, I think I can't remember if they were Christian or moderately Christian, but for the most part, the the Cossacks were Christian. Okay, and these are the people that the Jewish uh, Ashkenazi Khazars exterminated uh, you know, as a part of the Bolshevik you know, Russian regime. Okay, and in fact, I shouldn't even call it Russian because it was never Russian; it was always Jewish. Okay. So uh, it's these Jews who are the ones creating havoc all over the world, and you know, and the the uh, Zionist branch of this Ashkenazi Jewish ethnic group are the ones who invaded Palestine and now claim it and make a biblical claim for ownership. But but none of these Khazars were ever Israelites, Hebrews, or Shemites. So it's totally bogus just as the Jewish religion is bogus. Now, the reason why they've been attacking Ukraine lately is because uh, their ancient homeland is right next to the land of the Cossacks, okay? And so I think it's east of the Cossacks. So uh, these Jews uh, are actually getting rid, want to get rid again of uh, the, the Cossacks, and the real Ukrainians, and uh, because they need more Lebensraum, they need more living space, and uh, because the Israeli state is an inhospitable place, uh, the uh, Jews are actually moving away from Israel, and they want a nicer pasture, and uh, Ukraine is the place they decided to move to, okay? So and that, that is their ancient stomping grounds, but it's also always been shared with the true Ukrainians, the Christian Ukrainians, otherwise known as the Cossacks, all right? Yeah, what they're doing, they're they're making war against the Cossacks. That's what they're doing. I found out those Cossacks, uh, the location was 
kind of in the middle, but on the southern side. Uh-huh. And, the, and then they float over. When you look at like a uh, nationality map, the Cossacks were like up against the uh, the shore there in, what is that, the Black Sea? Yeah, uh, probably and, the Crimea. Uh, yeah, and then a lot of them were, and a lot of them were into Crimea. So that, so Crimea, and just above Crimea in the mainland there, and Crimea, by the way, folks, is a little peninsula that sticks out. Right into the black. Kind of a tri, kind of a triangle-shaped little piece of land yeah. with one of the corner. The corners just kind of touches the Ukraine, yeah. and that's of course what was occupied by Russians and Cossacks, and they uh-huh. voted to return to Russia. Right, right. Well, it was shortly after 740 A.D. that the the, the actual Rus, the, the original Russian people who were actually descendants, uh, the leadership was descended from the Vikings, and they were called the Rus. Mm. All right, uh, but the vast majority of the Russian people were in fact Slavs, but they uh, they accepted these uh, Swedish Vikings as their rulers, and these uh, these people became known as Russians. The whole composite became known as Russia. Okay. Okay. So we had uh, we had Viking um, uh, descendants in Russia, and we had Slavs. Tell people in case they don't know just. Who who is a Slav? Who is a Slav? The, the Slavs are primarily the descendants of Japheth, you know, who was the brother of Shem and Ham, going mm-hmm. all the way back to the days of Noah. Uh, they they went north from you know because uh, Noah's Ark landed uh, in I would say eastern Armenia, what was what is known as Turkey today. The Bible says it uh, it landed on the mountains of Ararat. It doesn't say it's landed on the Mount Ararat. Okay, so mm-hmm. those hills are considerably lower than the Mount Ararat, and uh, they you know they their population increased very quickly, and uh, the Japhethites went north and east and to some extent west because the fact is the or- original Greeks are descended from Japheth. The Hamites went south toward Egypt and Africa, Egypt and Ethiopia, and across the northern uh, coast of Africa along the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, the Shemites stayed in the Middle East. They stayed in uh, the Fertile Crescent. Okay, So mm-hmm. that, that's the, the three sons of Noah. That's how they fanned out. And, of course, all of these three sons of Noah were pure white. They, they weren't different races as the Jews and the Judeo churches teach. That's why you find that these Japhethites are all pure white. These Slavs are pure white people. Okay. And, and, well, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a uh-huh. son-in-law who's a, a, well, a Macedonian. Uh, okay. He real dark black hair, blue eyes. Uh, actually, he's needs to get out in some sun. He's white white. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, interesting concept, though, that they come from an area that's been so occupied by right. Bolshevism, right. Bolshevism for so long doesn't mean that their mentality isn't really bent by this socialistic thinking because they haven't had this, uh, you know, kind of like that hard Western 
a Rocky Mountain kind of independent, uh, leave me alone, I can take care of myself mentality. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, the, the settler uh, strength. Yeah, the pioneers, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, the pioneer, yeah. Yes. So these guys were... Um, uh, these Khazars then uh, and uh, Russia. Uh, w- when did they conflict? They conf- they had a conflict. Russia. Are you? Right. Uh, are, were you getting into a conflict? Yeah. They're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, because as these uh, Swedish Vikings uh, came down and became the basically the kings, the, the kingly dynasty of the Slavic people. Of Russia, and there were probably some Shemitic people among the the Slavs, but it was primarily Slavic. Okay, Eastern mm-hmm. Europe is primarily Slavic. Western Europe is primarily Shemitic. But nevertheless, we're, we're brothers because we're all descended from Noah, directly descended from Noah, and so are the Hamites. But the Hamites have been pretty much diluted. There's very very few pure Hamites left on the planet because they moved down to Egypt and interbred with Arabs and with uh, some with blacks and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Semitic uh, in, yeah. Yeah, intermixed. Yeah, okay. So, and, and the fact the Bible predicts, I think it's Genesis chapter 10, that says Japheth shall dwell in the tents of Shem, which means that uh, the, the Japhetic people will uh, live in the nations created by the Shemites, which the Swedes are. The Vikings oh. are, and the mm-hmm. Rus are, okay? And uh, so uh, that, that prophecy has been fulfilled in Russia and, and all over the East, Eastern Europe, where even uh, you know, the, the Tsars are, in fact, descendants of King David. So the, uh, here again we have a Slavic people, namely the, the Russians, uh, being ruled over by a Shemitic tribe, namely uh, the Tsars, okay? I'm going to be quoting here from uh, okay. a, a website called Kazaria.com slash Khazar-history.html. And the Internet is full of the history of the Khazar people, and it's very important history to know. <laughs> but yeah. it's not in our history books. <laughs> no, it's not in our history books because the Jews don't want us to know these things. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, uh-huh. and this is entitled, An Introduction to the History of Khazaria by Kevin Allen Brook. Copyright 1996 to 2014, so he recently revised this with new information as lately as last year, okay? And it starts out with this quote. Oh, what did you say? Let me me get this in my head. You said last year. Yeah. 2014 was last year. I I, I still can't get over (laughs) 2014 was last year. Right. Isn't that that amazing? We're 15 years. Whole week into 2015, Doc. Get with it. <laughs> All right. I know you're hankering for the good old days. <laughs> and I guarantee you, 2014 will be viewed as a good year well, before oh, 2015 boy. is over. I guarantee you that. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, opening quote Of all the astonishing experience of the widely dispersed Jewish people, None was more extraordinary than that concerning the Khazars. This is a statement by Nathan Azubel in Pictorial History of the Jewish People. This is a Jew making this statement. Okay. Next quotation. 
The Khazar people were an unusual phenomenon from medieval times. Surrounded by savage and nomadic tribes, they had all the advantage, but they themselves were savage and nomadic. <laughs> they had all the advantages of the developed countries, structured government, vast and prosperous trading, and a permanent army. At the time when great fanaticism and deep ignorance contested their dominion over Western Europe, the Khazar state was famous for its justice and tolerance. Well, of course, that, that's their pro- propaganda. Nobody, nobody who was sub- subject to them considered them to be just and tolerant. <laughs> People persecuted for their faith flocked into Khazaria from everywhere, and I think the only reason for that was actually Jews flocked into Khazaria because they had to get away from Christians and from Muslims. Okay, so this is probably this is obviously a Russian perspective. I mean, a, a Jewish perspective. What this uh-huh. person is saying here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, next quote. Though the Jews were everywhere subject people and in much of the world persecuted as well, that's not not true. They were never persecuted. They were always being re- the, their oppression of Christians via usury and hard business practices was always reacted against by the Christians. So it's actually Jewish persecution, and that always uh, causes the Christians to react and respond in kind against Jewish monopoly. Anyway, Khazaria was the one place in the medieval world where the Jews actually were their own masters. To the oppressed Jews of the world, the Khazars were a source of pride and hope, for their existence seemed to prove that God had not completely abandoned his people. Of course, that's assuming that the Jews are God's people. Okay, And this is Raymond Scheindlin, the Chronicles of the Jewish People. So here we have several Jewish authors admitting formally the existence of the Khazar Empire and that it was Jewish. Even today we have Jews denying the, uh, even the existence of the Khazars. Because they don't want you to know that they're not Israelites. Okay? <laughs> so, right? so I'm going to drop down uh, two paragraphs. Origins. The Khazars were a Turkic people, uh, w- which I me- read to mean Hittite people. And uh, that's one sure. of the Canaanite tribes. Okay? Khazars, descendant, right? Right, right. We're a Turkic people who originated in Central Asia. The early Turkic tribes were quite diverse, although it is believed that reddish hair was predominant among them prior to the Mongol conquests. This proves uh, our contention that they're partially Turkish, partially Mongol, and partially Japheth. So you get three uh, ethnic strains all mixed together in the Khazar people. In the beginning... The Khazars believed in Tengri shamanism, spoke a Turkic language, and were nomadic. Later, the Khazars adopted Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, learned Hebrew and Slavic, and became settled in cities and towns throughout the North Caucasus and Ukraine. The Khazars had a great history of ethnic independence extending approximately 800 years from the 5th to the 13th century. However, in 965 A.D., the Rus, the Swedish Rus, under Russia. King yeah Russia, under King Sviatoslav, made war against the Khazars because the Khazars <laughs> were a continued source of uh, trouble to uh, to the Rus. Okay, 
Oh, and, they were they were raiding those rust yeah, caravans, right. weren't they? they were <laughs> exactly. Let's, exactly. Let's say that looks like a good that looks like a good stagecoach robbery. Let's go, you know. Right, and now whether it's the, uh, the 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 Turkic blood or the Mongol blood, they were also a very warlike <laughs> people. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, this article continues. The great capital city of modern Ukraine, Kiev was founded yeah. by Khazars or Hungarians. And I think probably the, the Hungarians, the Ungars, actually are a lot older, a lot more ancient tribe, and they're actually a Slavic tribe. All right, wow. the Hungarians are a yeah. Slavic tribe, a pure Slavic tribe, not mixed with a Mongol or Hittite. Kiev is a Turkic place name. A, co- a community of Jewish Khazars lived in Kiev. Other towns of the Khazars, many of uh, which also had important Jewish communities, included Kerch, Fedosia, Tamatarka, and he gives a, a whole bunch more names. The local governor of Samandar was Jewish, and it may be assumed that many of the governors of these other localities were also Jewish. A major brick fortress was built in 834 in Sarkel along the Don River, it was a cooperative Byzantine Khazar venture, and Petronas Kamateros, a Greek, served as chief engineer during the construction. So you see we have <laughs> Slavic Greeks, Slavic Greeks, we have Northern Slavs, and we have uh, Byzantine, and Byzantine would be the uh, Eastern Empire of Rome, okay, yeah. Which, yeah, which, uh, yeah, which had a lot of Shemitic people. So you see that this, this territory known as Khazaria, it's right in the middle of where all of these groups the flow, ebb and flow back they were and right forth. Smack, they were right in the middle. And we have to remember, they've descended from some creatures that were squatters to this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just basically came in and said, oh, Mount Hermon, that looks good. Let's go there, you know, and... Uh, yeah. Golly, look what I see standing down there or taking a bath like, you know, let's take her as a wife, you know, that's what happened and out they yeah. went, you know, spreading yeah. their spreading their genetic uh yeah, uh, pollution across <laughs> right. that region. Yes, so we term. ended up like like you said with the Hittites, the uh, uh all those, you know, the Anamites, the Edomites, the well even the Philistines. So Yeah. And so these these this region has been rife uh, with these mm, mm-hmm. partial, if well, with these best, Hittite, partial Hittite Adamic. Mongol, right. Hittite, Mongol, Japhetic people, okay, who, who have been, since their adoption of Judaism in 740 A.D., have been pretending to be the of ancient Palestine, the Israelites of the Bible, which they have never been and cannot possibly be. And, okay. and you know what? It just dawned on me. Well, here we have this mysterious group that that from the north, the Rush people, the Russians, the white Russian people, mm-hmm. the Cossacks from the south out down there going up north would have run into Kazaria. Uh, all these people were running into this going, where do these people come from? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah. if you look at Russia and you look at the border of Russia to China, you look into Russia, you look at Putin. Mm-hmm. And if you look across the border, you see a Chinese man. There was no blur. It was 
this kind of race on this side, this kind of race on that other side. Right. Yeah. But in this area, it's kind of like they've just they snuck in and and uh, began to mongrelize, so to speak, the area and right. blurred the borders of race. And you know what that right. seems like? And this here's where I'm going with this. It's also blurred the physical borders and boundaries of nations, and it's caused right. all this conflict. Go ahead. Go yes. ahead. Well, that's because the Jews always infiltrate every nation. Okay? What we've got here in Kazaria is a specifically, specifically Jewish nation of okay. you know, this combination of Mongol, Japhethite, and Hittite people. Well, and the Mongols, they were ruthless people. I mean, well, these right. people, woo. That's right. Yeah, the Mongols <laughs> swept in. They actually made war against the Khazars and interbred with them. And so that, and that and, uh, but before, they weren't known as Khazars before this. They were simply known as Turks before this amalgamation of the two two tribes. Okay? Uh, yeah, so yeah and, and the Mongols, didn't they have, like, the Khan? And the Khan yeah, was exactly. Khan. Exactly, yeah, Khan. yeah. And then the Jews like, have these uh, names like Kaganovich. <laughs> okay. Uh, or Kazarian. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. I heard somebody's yeah. last name was Kazarian. You know, okay, Kazarian. Okay, yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and some, of them, some Jews have the last name of Ashkenaz. Yeah, okay, there you which go. proves their descent. Okay. Now let's continue. Under the leadership of kings Bulan and Obadiah, the standard rabbinical form of the Jewish religion spread among the Khazars. King Bulan adopted Judaism in approximately the year 838 after supposedly holding a, de a debate between representatives of the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim faiths. Now, I think it was earlier than 838. Uh, so they're sitting down they're in 838 now. They're sitting down with Muslims and Christians. Okay? Right. Is that and Jews. Okay. Yeah. King, the oh, king okay, of okay. the Khazars was uh, trying to decide among the three religions which would be the best to okay, well, play if they were, people with. Okay. If they were here, this might confuse people, because if they were the Jews, and you're talking about the king of Khazar right. meeting with the Jews, that's mm -hmm. kind of like saying, well, we're meeting with ourselves. But right. you mean... Well, well this, this proves, uh, the history of Khazaria proves that these Khazars never were Jews racially or never were Israelites racially, and they really even weren't Jews, you know, because by Jew we mean Edomites <laughs> and Canaanites up to this point in time. There, were, there was no such thing as a Khazar or an Ashkenazi Jew until this period. There were only Edomites and Canaanites from Palestine, or actually from Edom, which was the historical enemy of Israel and Judah, Okay, these uh, Edomites mm -hmm. became known as Pharisees in the New Testament. Now, okay. now this was uh, 780 what? What was that again? This well, my, my research suggests the year 740 A.D. Uh, this author is saying 838. He, I think he's off by a century here. Oh, okay. But uh, okay, so uh, but after uh, but here the story is, and this uh, story I'm very familiar with, and I think this is the accurate story. He's just got the date wrong. King Bulan adopted Judaism. And he says he adopted it. Okay, these Khazars were oh. did not practice Judaism until this particular date. Okay, and nor now, were now they Israelites. It. Okay, now let's stop right there. Okay, if they were already 
Jews, so to speak, because they were Khazars, how could they have adopted Judaism? No, they, yeah, the, they weren't Jews. <laughs> okay, they were. They, they were, were Khazars. Uh, they were. Yeah, they were Khazars. So explain okay. to the audience where this Judaism religion came from. Okay, well, this is what I'm explaining right now. King okay. Ulan adopted Judaism in approximately the year 838 after supposedly holding a debate between representatives of the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim faiths. The Khazar nobility and many of the common people also became Jews. King Obadiah, that is, they converted to Judaism. They, they don't change their DNA by switching their religion, right? <laughs> okay? Right. King Obadiah later established synagogues and Jewish schools in Khazaria. The books of the Mishnah, Talmud, and Torah, the Torah being the actual books of Moses. So the, we have these three books that the Jews had, the first two of which have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. Okay, And the fact is that the Talmud is actually Jewish law, not the Bible. Okay, So let's start this sentence again. The books of the Mishnah, Talmud, and Torah thus became important to many Khazars. St. Cyril came to Khazaria in 860 in a Byzantine attempt to convert the Khazars to Christianity, but he was unsuccessful in converting them away from Judaism. He did, however, convince many of the Slavs to adopt Christianity. Now remember, the Khazars are a combination of the three groups, Slavs, Mongols, and Turkish Hittites. Okay, okay let's, let me back up and kind of see if I've uh, got my question phrase right. A lot of people think Khazaria was the origin of the Jewish religion that the Nephilim had, the descendants of the Nephilim started, that infiltrated yeah. the Israelites. Right. So no. what you're saying what you're saying is prior to this event, the real Israelite southern kingdom had been infiltrated by Edomite. Uh, the Edomites, which were another tribe of Nephilim, basically. Right. And they infiltrated the existing theocracy called Judah, southern right. kingdom. And, right. and that theocracy, of course, the religious base of that, of that nation was their government. So to control yeah. the, Torah, the government... It's supposed, supposed to be the Torah, that is, the, you know, the, law, the law, the Mosaic law. So if they're going to infiltrate it and take it over they would have gotten involved with the religious aspect of yeah, Israel. Right. And so they yeah. began to, to infiltrate the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and tried to take over synagogues and so forth. That's right. And, and, and that's where they began to uh, pollute yeah. the Israelites right. and the, their... Israelite religion. And, and their religion. And in general. general. Okay. So they, they, that tried, the, they succeeded. <laughs> To the extent so that Herod, who was an Edomite, Herod was an Edomite. He okay, became, okay. Okay. Yes, yes. So that what that meant then was, after the crucifixion of Christ, mm -hmm. these would have been the people that had infiltrated. These would have been the right. ones that were probably primarily responsible for continuing to do what had been ended by the crucifixion, like the, the, the sacrificing of the bull. So they well, just continued to do their thing because they didn't right. accept Christ, right? That's right. Well, <laughs> neither were they Israelites, and you know, because it, it boggles the mind if the Jewish people of Christ's time, 
mm-hmm. or in fact Israelites. Why in the world would they <laughs> summarily reject having their sins forgiven? That's no, just crazy. Right? Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really? called the ultimate deception by guess who. <laughs> right, right. That's because they weren't Israelites. They were Edomites, as we're describing. Okay. And, of course, in, what is it, John, uh, Christ points his finger at him and says, yep. and they came in claiming, in, they came in the synagogue claiming, we're of Abraham. Uh-huh. Now, why have all of a sudden they start talking about their physical lineage is, is interesting because he basically answers them from Christ's own mouth. He says, you're not from Abraham. That's why you want to kill me, you know, That's basically. Right. That's right. So yeah. here we have this pot of, of, of mystics that show up in Israel and pollute the religion, continuing to do things yeah. that were supposed to have ended. And now we right. have seven centuries later right. this Judaism thing that has nothing to do with ancient yeah. Israel's practice. Absolutely. But and, you bring up and, the, the history of, that you're talking about is very important because when the Romans uh, destroyed the temple in 70 AD and actually made continuous war uh, against the Jews and the Judahites, people must understand that a Jew is someone who pretends to be an Israelite or someone who pretends to be of Judah. It goes back to Revelation 2.9 and 3.9. It says, those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Well, they were the Edomites that snuck in and and started pretending to be. They're the ones that started all those silly laws like, well, on the Sabbath, you've got to use your foot to knock on the door, not your hand. Yeah, and you can't eat food without washing your hands first. There's no such law in the Old Testament. Right. And so these stupid, you know, like 700 and some odd laws all came from the Edomites. Right. Yeah, they kept on making up laws constantly, and that's what we call the Talmud. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, no, was, so let me get this. So let me get this straight then. Okay. So the king of Kazaria is meeting with whoever represented this yes. seven-century-old thing. These Jews. Christ, uh, yeah, these so, Jews are not Israelites. They're Hittites, Canaanites, and Edomites. Okay. And so he hadn't really the king of Kazaria, which was basically some other mystic shamanistic religious. That's right. It was a shamanistic society. He had met with Christians, he met with Muslims, but he also met with the fake Israelites that had this religion called Judaism. That's right, that's right. So it wasn't the Khazarian Empire that brought forth Judaism, it was... It was already established before Khazaria, so there was... Yeah, okay, so then there was this opportunity for the Khazarians to say... Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. which one of these gives us the most latitude to be criminal? But go ahead. Right. Yeah, and, and numerous uh, Jewish encyclopedias, authors, encyclopedias, will admit mm-hmm. that Judaism is the religion of the Pharisees, not the religion of Moses. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ said. You have made the law of none effect, that is the Mosaic law, of none mm-hmm. effect by your traditions. So in other words, they were making up new traditions as they were going along, just as they continue to do today. The rabbis of Judaism are constantly changing their religion and adapting it to to the modern times, uh, which you can't do with the Mosaic Law. Which is why today uh, the Jews are absolving this guy of pedophilia that's been all through the news. Right, because pedophilia is now okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay for Jews. 
Well, yeah. you know, you know what? It's it's jerking in. Here's this. What's his name? Durowitz or uh, Dershowitz? Yeah, Dershowitz. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he sucked in one of the. Uh, Israelite possible uh, monarchs from you know England uh-huh. into this, right? So, yeah, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the uh, child uh, sex ring? Yeah, yeah, King child, Philip, yeah. Fr- yeah, that wasn't Dershowitz. Ring. It was a friend of Dershowitz. It was another uh, Jew who was the uh, procurer or pimp for Prince Philip. Oh, okay. Yeah, I say yeah. Dershowitz because he had been convicted of that very thing. Oh, okay. He's yeah, been, as many Jews have been. Before. Yeah, as yeah. many Jews have been. So we're Jews. we're seeing yeah. now we're back to this king. He's sitting around the table talking to these religions. Right. I guess you know I can just see this guy. You know, he's going, okay. Um, I'm bidding on a religion. I want to know who's got the best deal. I could just right. see. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a business decision, right? Uh, and but see, he, the reason why he couldn't choose either Christianity or Islam is because Christianity and Islam were having a major war with each other. Okay, so if he chose Islam, that meant he was automatically making Christians enemies. Okay, if he had chosen Christianity, then the Islamic world would automatically become his enemy. So he chose Judaism, which is a supposedly neutral religion at the time. Okay, it wasn't as oh. powerful. Judaism wasn't as powerful in those days, but that's why he chose Judaism. Oh, okay. Not because was, what, it was were a the Russians, religion. Okay, were the Russians Orthodox at that point, or had that not started yet? The Russians were at this point uh, still in the process of converting to Christianity. Okay. 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 All right, because they were, like I said, they're primarily Slavs, but led by Shemites. The Swedes, the Swedish Vikings, and so they had the kind of the Viking uh, occult right, mentality the, the for Viking, a while. Right, they had the Viking mentality, which eventually, I think, it was actually Sviatoslav, or one mm-hmm. of his, uh, or one or two monarchs just before him, who converted to Christianity. Okay, now, so now we is... have the Russians, the Christian Russians, uh, being very irritated by these Jewish Khazars. Who are you know uh, monopolizing business at the southern border of Russia, okay. and also wreaking havoc upon the Slavic people, uh, ju- you know, uh, impinging upon Russia. Too, too many, too many stagecoach robberies. That's know, right. Going exactly. Okay. So this this prompted uh, Sviatoslav to attack the Khazars, and uh, I know for a fact that in the Crimea there is a statue of this uh, you know, Russian prince. He's riding his horse, wielding a sword, and he's got a, a ponytail. And oh, really? uh, at, the, at the bottom of the horse, there is a Khazar warrior, and on his um, shield, this Khazar warrior, is, is imprinted the Jewish Star of David. Is that right? That's Boy, right. I'd love to get that picture. Yeah, it's actually available on the internet somewhere. I've I've seen it. That, pon- that ponytail almost smacks of a Viking kind of style. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you know they they grew their hair long and you know sometimes it got in their faces, you know, especially in battle, <laughs> right? So they, <laughs> they they wrapped it up into a ponytail before they went into into battle. Okay, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. here's a clear example of the Russian, the Christian Russian nation making war against these Jewish Khazars, 
But by no means are these Jew, Jewish Khazars Hebrews, Shemites, Israelites, or Judahites. They are a completely distinct genome from Israel. Completely distinct. Okay. I want to continue. I want to continue this now that we've breached the rush attack upon Kazaria. We need to uh, take a break. Okay. And uh, we'll just a little bit. This gives everybody a chance to refill or unfill. <laughs> yeah, and, and absorb and, what we've just told them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'll uh, I'll uh, set some uh, music up for this break, and okay. uh, maybe in a couple minutes we'll. We'll come back because we're working our way through history in order for us to talk about what's going on and uh, what we expect to have happen here. Yeah, without this history, you really can't understand Ukraine today. You can't. You have to know the history. And what's what's going on with with Russia and and the Saudis, okay? Because the Saudis are crypto-Jews. They're not Arabs. They're crypto-Jews. Yeah. You know, it's all connected. So yeah. we'll we'll connect we'll start connecting the docs, but we have to have the background. Yeah. Okay, uh ground crew hang in there. We'll be right back. Uh give us a couple minutes and uh Eli and I'll be right back. We'll talk to you real quick here. Okay. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel.
My name is John Waterman, and I was a spy. And I was burned. When you're burned, you're pretty much on your own. No money, no credit cards, and of course, no job. Massad, welcome to the Waterman Files. Well, welcome back to the Waterman Files. We just had to welcome the uh, the Mossad back into the uh, program today. <laughs> I'm sure they're not liking what we're saying. <laughs> so we've got uh, Rush uh, after King of Kazaria cut a deal, of course. We've got Rush... Well, here's one of the things that we might want to make mention of. It was an area that Kazaria existed in that had a lot of uh, caravans right. east-west. So we have stuff coming out of China going across this area into Europe mm-hmm. and back and forth. And yeah, so the this Silk was, Trade. The Silk yes, Trade the Silk Road, yes. Mm-hmm. And so this was prime pickings for caravan va- uh, raiders right. and those – those caravan raiders are known as Kazarians. This is where yeah. this all came from. Or they, or they had to pay tribute to the Khazars in order to go through the territory. And that's okay. where we get the the name. And this area is where the name Troll came that's from. That's right. That's right. <laughs> because the Troll had to be dealt with when they crossed uh, these choke the, points like bridges and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and can't course, imagine any better word for Kazarian, uh, Eli, <laughs> troll, than calling right. a troll, you know. Yeah, of course, these trolls were backed up by an army, so the caravans really had no choice but to pay the toll to the troll to get across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Okay? But uh, let me do two more paragraphs from this article before we move up into modern times. And this section is called Decline and Fall. During the 10th century, the East Slavs were united under Scandinavian overlordship, as I mentioned, the the Swedish Vikings. A new nation, Kievan Rus, was formed by Prince Oleg. So Prince Oleg apparently was the first um, Swedish uh, Viking ruler of Russia. Okay. Just as the Khazars had left their mark on other people, so too did they influence the Rus. The Rus and the Hungarians both adopted the dual kingship system of the Khazars. The Rus princes even borrowed the title Kagan, at least temporarily. Uh, Archaeologists recovered a variety of Khazar or Khazar-style objects, including clothing and pottery, from Viking grave sites in Chernigov, Kiev, and even Burka, way up in Sweden. The residents of Kievan Rus patterned their legal procedures after the Khazars. In addition, some Khazar words became part of the old East Slavic language. For example, Bogatir, or Brave Knight, apparently derives from the Khazar word Bagatur. The Rus inherited most of former Khazar lands in the late 10th century and early 11th century. One of the most devastating defeats came in 965 when Rus Prince Sviatoslav conquered the Khazar fortress of Sarkel, it is believed that he conquered Itil, I-T-I-L, which is probably the biggest city of the Khazars. 
conquered Italy two years later, after which he campaigned in the Balkans. Despite the loss of their nation, the Khazar people did not disappear. Many of them converted to Islam and survived in the North Caucasus and Central Asian regions under new identities. And these are your ancestors of the modern Khazars today, the modern, what you know is falsely referred to as the German Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason they're referred to as German Jews is because their language, Yiddish, is primarily Germanic with Hebrew letters. That's why they're referred to as German Jews. But they are not a Germanic people by any stretch of the imagination. They are, as I have been describing, this combination of Mongol, Hittite, and Japhethite blood. A completely foreign people to the Germans, but living in the territory. Now, the Germans would have been primarily to the west of this area. The Rus would have been to the north. And the Cossacks would have been to the south. Okay. Crimea. Crimea. Yeah, in the Crimea. Yeah. Southern Ukraine, yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. So uh, so there was always a border. I would put it this way. The Cossacks or Ukrainians, the white Ukrainians, would have been the farmers that probably traded with the Khazars because, to my understanding, the Khazars were not a farming people. They were, you know, her, her, sheep herders and cattle herders, etc. They had uh, large, uh, you know, fleets of horses, and they were traders primarily. Okay, so okay. But they had to get other types of food, so they would have traded with the Cossacks, who would have been, would have been descendants of the tribes of Israel, who had stayed in the Crimea, and uh, you know never left. Okay, so these are your four basic. Uh, you know, ethnic groups that are all squeezed into this area that we know today as Ukraine. And the only ones that really squatted this were a bunch of creatures that weren't supposed to be on this planet in the first place. <laughs> creatures are <And their>, creatures. <laughs> and, and, and their seed were not supposed to ever be here, which is why, of course, Israel was turned loose to go into the promised land and route them out because they were squatters. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that you know that basically gives us the ethnic composition of Ukraine that really hasn't changed much in the last uh, you know thousand years. Okay. The only exception okay. being that the the Khazars have migrated to you know other countries such as America, Israel, Germany, and other European nations because as a mercantile people, as an internationalist group, they you know set up their businesses in the major cities of all other nations. Okay, which the Cossacks never did because they're a farming people tied to the land. The Jews have never been tied to the land. The Jews have always been a commercial people living in big cities. Well, okay. if they tried, they'd starve to death, you know. Just... <laughs> right. Well, yeah, the curse of Cain. You know, the, the ground when, shall when not have, produce have, for you. That's right. When have you ever run into a, a Jew uh, at the farmer market where he came from his own farm? <laughs> right. Or, 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 or a Jewish carpenter, yeah, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, Right. I mean, they, have they the might have David over these farmers markets all the time, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever noticed? <laughs> well, there might be a booth there that's a Kazarian, but yeah, uh, that is Shevin's wine. 
Yeah. 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 They're selling. They're selling trinkets and wine. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no! I'm the, sorry. That's gyp. That's gypsies. I'm sorry. Right. The pawn shop at the farmers market. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> but here now we see that the ethnic composition with the Jews being accentuated in this territory, and how these Khazar Jews have always been a a, a thorn in the side of all the other you know ethnic groups in the territory. Yeah. And you know, but instead of making physical war after being defeated by the uh Russian princes, they began a, a process of infiltration just as the Edomites and Canaanites infiltrated Judah the 100 years before Christ. Okay? So basically their their ancestors in in Idumea learned this technique of infiltration and pretending to be friends and allies of the current uh, regime, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, the Jews have been practicing this tactic for, actually now, for 2,000 years. <laughs> okay? Oh, go figure, right? Yeah, <clears throat> right. Okay, now, uh, so we know, because we've done several shows on Ukraine and how the Jews actually uh, instigated the Nazis, the neo-Nazis against the people, but it's all done by Israeli-trained, you know, uh, operatives, okay? And we know that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't a neo-Nazi revolution because what happened? Because they have nothing but Jews in power now in Ukraine. Well, here's what's interesting. You know, these, these white national, these... Nazis that they are calling in Ukraine, yeah, Yeah, the so-called Nazis in in Ukraine, they started off as a handful, and within three months they had 50,000. Now, now, where in the world did that many come from? I mean, Mm -hmm. come on. Right. It's just, you know, if you have, well, go ahead. I don't even know. Well, I mean, the Jews have money. The Jewish banksters finance all this stuff and you can hire you can hire a nazi (laughs) well that's what i was rent rent a nazi rent a nazi there you go and and this is is, and this is what created the current revolution in supposed ukraine to bring it out of uh, captivity but go ahead yeah no real no real nazi in his right mind would ever, ever assist a jew Okay. Well, so they that, wouldn't have assisted the overthrow of their own country because the right. definition of a, a nationalist is to protect your nation, not not to from Jews. Them. Yes, uh, t- yeah. true nationalism protects uh, your nation from Jews. Okay, and the exact opposite mm-hmm. happened in Ukraine, which proves that all of the propaganda that this was a Nazi-style uh, revolt against the legitimate government is it's absolute nonsense, Jewish nonsense. Right. Right. What actually happened, yeah, Jews yeah. posing as Nazis, okay, disrupted the Ukrainian government in order to install more Jews. That's well, they happened. were in the in the in that little coup, this push they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were the Mossad that was caught uh, shooting people on both sides of the battle, right. you instigating know, were... bad blood between the two sure. sides. Yes, sure. That. You know, it's kind of like the old proverbial story where the little boy throws a rock at his big brother. 
Right. And then turns around and points at his other brother. He did, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now let's br- let's bring it up to date because we started to show out uh talking about how the Saudis uh you know the, the reason why they've dropped oil prices is to negatively impact Russia, Iran and Syria. Right. Okay. Right. Well, here is the the story behind the story. That uh, this this is so hidden, this knowledge is so unknown. Uh, you know, it's it's something that you're never going to see on mainstream media, and not even on conspiracy uh, shows are you going to hear anything about this. But what I'm going to tell you right now is that the Saudis are crypto Jews, and they've been Jew, they've been Jews for a good four or five hundred years. Okay. The title of this article is Intel Report suggests that Saudi royals are crypto-Jews by David Livingston. Okay, and the article says, The U.S. Department of Defense has released translations of a number of Iraqi intelligence documents dating from Saddam's rule. One, a general military intelligence directorate report from September 2002 entitled The Emergence of Wahhabism and Its Historical Roots. What's Wahhabism? The Wahhabi sect is the modern militant sect of Islam. There was no such thing ever since the um, the Christian world defeated the Islamicists, oh, when was it? Around 1600 AD, something like that. Mm-hmm. Finally, mm-hmm. drove all the Islamicists out of Europe. Yeah, and, in fact, the okay. Islam, Islam had complete control of Spain the entire time. Right, yeah. And not so they very were many driven people out, know that. Yeah, they were driven out of Spain before then, but they were still harassing Europe on, you know, from the Mediterranean, from the east, okay? And this would be Turk, the Turkish uh, brand of Islam, okay? So, right, uh, right. but uh, after, after that, after the Turks were basically defeated, there was really no, you know, there was no warfare between Christian Europe and the Turks, uh, these Muslim Turks, in the interim until in, uh, until very recently. Okay, so this report, the emergence of Wahhabism and its historical roots, shows the Iraqi government was aware of the nefarious purposes of the Wahhabis of Saudi Arabia, often known as Salafis. <laughs> in serving Western interests, that is, Jewish interests, to undermine Islam. Okay? You know, when you get, when you get involved in these projects for the Saudi royal, quote, royal, and there's nothing royal about them, uh, family, mm-hmm. uh, you begin right. to learn this, and there are those mutterings within those circles about who they really were, you know. Right. Uh, where right. did they come from? Where did they get yeah. supposedly crowned royal, you know? Yeah, they, well, they made it up. <laughs> they made the yeah. history yeah, up. Yeah, they did. Right. Yeah. And it suited, and it, suited uh, uh, it suited the need for some controllers from outside the nation to do this. Right, right. And uh, the way the, the – uh, uh, he's going to get into that later – uh, but I still want to focus on okay. the, uh, the Syria and Iran and Russia here, okay? okay? Because these are the countries that are being impacted by this uh, charade, this Jewish charade uh, called Wahhabism, okay? Okay. The the report relies heavily on the memoirs of Mr. Hemper, 
which describe in detail how a British spy to the Middle East in the middle of the 18th century made contact with Abdul Wahhab to create a subversive version of Islam, the notorious sect of Wahhabism, which became the founding cult of the Saudi regime. Okay? Incredible. So the Saudi regime was actually created in London, Doc. <laughs> it was oh, created boy. in Isn't London. That interesting. Yeah, it was okay. that interesting. Right. After, of course, London got <laughs> taken over. By the Jews. Bank of England yeah. is what I'm referring yeah. to. It was of course. The Bank of England. Okay? Of course, yeah. The, the movement was temporarily suppressed by the Ottoman armies in the middle of the 19th century. But with the assistance of the British... The Wahhabis and their Saudi sponsors returned to power and founded their own state in 1932. Since then, the Saudis have collaborated closely with the Americans, and even more closely with the Israelis, to whom they owe their tremendous oil wealth in funding various Islamic fundamentalist organizations and other American covert operations, particularly the Jihad in Afghanistan, but the Saudis simultaneously used the immense, hold on, I have to scroll down, wealth at their disposal to disseminate this disruptive brand of Islam to various parts of the world, categorized by some of the largest propaganda campaign in history. Now, here's the question that I have to ask the general public, and also of you, Doc. Mm-hmm. If ISIS and, and Al-Qaeda and Hamas are truly pro-Islam. Why do they always cause trouble for Arabs? Why do they go out and, and uh, genocide their own people? That's right. right. Yeah, because incredible. they're not Arabs. They're That's Jews. The only, it's, it's the biggest sign. In fact, looking at what they've done, some of the, so to speak, underground videos were ruthless. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were. Literal yeah. genociding, of course, you know how we think of genocide, yeah. like, for example, in Africa, right. where one tribe was fighting another one. Well, this wasn't with yeah. machetes. This right. was with uh, all kinds of modern weapons, and they would just right. go into their own uh, their own country where Islamic people lived, right. and they'd murder well, them. Uh, yeah, look at Libya. What happened in Libya? They murdered Gaddafi, and they set up a Jewish banking system. There you go. Okay. Of course. <laughs> right? So uh, you know, all the the entire so-called Western press is nothing but disinformation to hide Jewish crimes and hide Jewish intrigue. And so, so when you actually be, look at what's happening, only the Jews ever win. Would this be why uh, the Saudis were so receptive to the Kissinger? Uh, yes. Uh, oil oil back dollar uh, yeah, plan absolutely. that he brought. Okay. Absolutely. So now, given this, the, the fact that the Saudis are actually crypto-Jews, not Arabs, mm-hmm. not Muslims, but nevertheless they hire a lot of people in their country to pretend to be Muslims, okay, to present a Muslim face to the world, okay? But it's mm-hmm. not real Islam. It's actually pro-Jewish, rotten to the core. So this is why you have the Saudis instigating against Arab countries like Iraq and Iran. Now let's and, talk about and that. Libya and Egypt. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk Syria. about what they're <laughs> they're doing right now then. Yeah. Is they've lowered the price of oil in America. 
and they've raised the price of oil on their own people. Right. Well, supposed own people. On the Islamic nations, I should say. Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? Yeah, it's pretty stupid. If they're real Arabs, it's pretty stupid to victimize your own people, right? Well, here's what i got to say. You know, for a family to get on a 747 cargo jet, fly into America, and buy entire store, go shopping and say, go into a (laughs) Sears store and say, yeah, they they go to a Sears store and say, I'll take everything here, you know, load it up on the, uh, and then then instead of, and then when they buy a BMW and they ran out of gas, instead of putting gas in the car, they just hop in a new car and leave it. You know, that's way too, there, there is some abuse that's going on with, you know, there's poor people in their country. They've got too much yeah. money. That, right. That's a sin. That is a right. sin. Right. It should now, be the, a the, sin in Islam, too. But, you yeah, know, who the, cares? The major point here, though, is that so what's called militant Islam today is, mm-hmm. in fact, a Jewish creation. There was no militant Islamic sect until Wahhabism appeared, and this was funded by the Jews, namely the Rothschilds, well, using British yes. intelligence agents to create it. Well, can you say ISIS? <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, that's by the, the way, thing. they've changed they've changed their name. Yeah, I S now, not I S I S. Yeah, so it's not ISIS; yeah. it's ICE or I S. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter; it's still uh, Israelis. <laughs> yeah, well, they changed it when they when they had a meeting to uh, go over their two billion dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Now, what group of Arabs or Islamic people that herd goats have absolutely no access to oil because all the Saudis <laughs> and, and the royals have access to it. Yeah. What group of people has access to that much money? Have they been saving their shekels? It's up certainly so not they... goat herders. No, no, no. <laughs> right. It's certainly not goat it, herders. It, 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 came from that, uh, it came from the central banks. Right. They got handed this money. Right. And, and can since you the central say, banks own the media, the media is never going to tell you about it. Now, here's why this is. Let me kind of give some people some dots to connect. Okay. Not too long ago, we had this event while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State with a certain ambassador in a place called Benghazi. Okay. Who, who had purportedly gotten in trouble. For moving weapons. Now, why would so, you know, if you sold one rifle, would you get caught? Heaven's sakes, no. So, in other words, there must have been a lot of exchange going on. And, of course, this guy, this ambassador, who's involved in weapons, illegal weapons movement, knew what was coming, and he had to be eliminated. And so yeah. today, can you say ISIS? Right. See, people yeah. don't understand that what happened in Benghazi was a cover-up for the person that knew that ISIS was on the way. And right. all this movement of weapons through Benghazi by the ambassador there resulted in what we call the arming of ISIS. 
today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. so they covered their tracks before the engagement started, mm-hmm. and he was extremely deeply involved in the trafficking to get them. And you know these guys, you know, uh, Eli, talk about equipped. Holy cow. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, where'd they get all this stuff from? That's right. You know, if, if, if it's contraband, then it's happening right under the noses of the Americans, the British, the Israelis. The That's Syria. right. You know, it's happening right under the noses of everybody. How is this stuff getting delivered to these rebels out in the desert? Exactly. And, and why did all of a sudden, when that erupted, all of a sudden you have Hillary Clinton resigning or quitting as Secretary of State because yeah, she, she didn't want all the heat. Yeah, and she's running for president, so she yeah, didn't right. want that to happen. So she yeah. slid out from underneath that, and of course nobody's yeah. ever questioned her. And of course, yeah. when they tried to question her, oh gosh, I fell down, hit That's, my head, I've lost my <laughs> right. memory. Yeah, right, uh, exactly. You know, this yeah. lady has uh, is she well, was she's, asked, uh, yeah. she can't she, read. She went to you know when they were in Watergate. When they were questioning her about that, yeah, you know, she was the a lawyer the against Nixon. Yeah, she was actually well backing. Uh, she was the lawyer for the black. Uh, who, who's that black uh, militant group? Well, Sharpton and uh, all those guys, yeah. like uh, <laughs> the guy that ran over to, black to Jesse Jackson that that ran over to just to yeah, and she represented blood on the Black says, Panthers. Is what she did. Well, what I was getting at though was. Mm-hmm. When she was being questioned by the Senate during Watergate, when they were in trouble, uh-huh. she couldn't remember things and claimed that problem over 250 times. Mm-hmm. So the the question, Eli, yeah, she'll make you a got great to, president. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, do we want somebody with a memory problem being president? That's mm-hmm. the, that's the best. Right. And the same problem, the same problem would then apply to. Well, right. if we've got her as president, we'd have a president that can't remember th- anything and then says, well, when you have an assassination of an ambassador for doing illegal dr- uh, uh, mm-hmm. weapons trafficking, and they say, and she says, what difference does it make? Right. You know, right. That, that our yeah. people got killed. You know, well, then I think that qual- disqualifies her for right. carrying anything. Yeah, so uh, uh, the, all of the vague reasons the mass media gives for why the Saudis would be opposed to Syria, Iraq, and Iran make no sense whatsoever. The only thing that makes sense is that the Saudis are not Arabs. They're actually mm-hmm. crypto-Jews, and they always have been, and they, uh, that, this is why they've always taken the side of the Israelis, Against the other Arab nations, this is exactly why. Well, well hasn't the okay. hasn't uh, Saudi Arabia oftentimes allied with uh, Turkey against right. uh, right. some of yeah, uh, and, like, uh, Turkey? You know, Tur- and, uh, Turkey has been pressured by the Israelis to you know adopt pro-Israeli positions. You know they've had a couple of renegade leaders in Turkey to, to go against the Israelis, but you, you know. You know what happens if your uh, your public officials oppose Israel? They get assassinated. Of okay, like mm-hmm. Gaddafi got assassinated. So you know the Turks have to be very careful how they maneuver uh, around the Israeli question. Okay, but here let me continue. These two, these next two uh, 
paragraphs are extremely important. In addition to that revealed by the Hemphur memoirs about the creation of the Wahhabi sect, the Iraqi intelligence report also makes known some surprising claims derived from works circulated in Arabic, which have not been translated into English, as the report recounts both Abdul Wahhab and his sponsor Ibn Saud, who founded the Saudi dynasty, were of Jewish origin. Okay? <laughs> so the original Saud is a Jew. And the reason okay. why they fit in is because, uh, yeah. well, guess what? Yeah, well, Jews uh, pretending to be Islamicists can do a lot more ja- damage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to Islam and to Christianity than open Jews, you know, because open so, Jews will be right. automatically mistrusted. Unfortunately for them, he has the power of a kingdom or a king there you that, go. As, a, as opposed to a republic, which is... Right. Yes, been for a long time, kind of been in the way, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, also people uh, take note that you know the common people of Saudi Arabia have been you know demonstrating against uh, the Saudi regime for years, claiming that it's an oppressive regime, doesn't allow freedom of speech, doesn't allow you know freedom of religion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, employment rates are very low, even though they have you know all this oil in the world. Okay, so uh, and these facts are not reported in in the Jewish, in the kosher press, the international press. Okay, next paragraph. For example, D. Mustafa Turan wrote in the Danma Jews, Danma, D-O-N-M-E-H, the Danma Jews are Turkish Jews, that Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab was a descendant of a family of Danma Jews from Turkey, the Donma were descendants of followers of the infamous false messiah of Judaism, Shabbatai Zevi, who shocked the Jewish world in 1666 by converting to Islam. Viewing it as a sacred mystery, Zevi's followers imitated his conversion to Islam, though secretly keeping to their Kabbalistic doctrines. In Europe, the Shabbateans were eventually led a century later by Jacob Frank, claiming to be a reincarnation of Zevi. And according to Rabbi Antelman, and to eliminate the opiate, to them belonged the Rothschilds, who had a hand in the founding of the Bavarian Illuminati. The Donma community of Turkey were concentrated in the city of Salonika, which became a hotbed of Masonic activity, and from which the Young Turk movement evolved, which aided in the collapse of the Muslim empire of the Ottoman Turks. Okay, there's evidence that Ataturk himself, the founder of the modern Turkish state, was of Danma origin as well. So here we have all these crypto Jews mm-hmm. pretending to be Islam, pretending to be Christians, pretending to be this, pretending to be that, because they always wear a mask to hide their true identity as the you know, perfidious Jew. And so all of this chaos going on in the Middle East can be traced back to all these crypto-Jews who uh, agitate one nation against the other, and this agitation would never, and these wars would never be possible without the agitation of these crypto-Jews. So, now we have, in our modern, we're 
coming down to the wire here with probably about 20 minutes of dialogue we can talk about on the current setting. We have historically got covered Russia having conquered the Kazarian Empire, which was the Ukraine area. Mm-hmm. We have now in league with the people that crushed Ukraine, by the way. Now there are uh, five Jewish billionaire oligarchs with the help of the Zionists that aren't even Jewish in our country helping them, mm-hmm. like Joe Biden and uh, those kind of guys. Well, guess what? Jo- the vice president's son happens to be in Ukraine, and he's running the gas company now. Yeah, right. It's like they don't have any talent inside Ukraine to run a, a gas company. They have to have the vice president's son running. And in the mean, and in the meantime, they are going to have to get some help because the central bank of Ukraine is getting uh, help from a person that's uh, well known by most of the listeners, Eli. And the installment for the new head of the central bank in Ukraine will be George Soros. Right. Um, and now, now what religion is he? <laughs> is he another Arab? Is he another Muslim? Well, so what you're saying is, you know, here they, uh, the Cossacks got attacked by these people, and the Cossacks right. were fighting back. Well, guess what? We're back home to Cossack territory. Mm-hmm. And the plan, Eli, was for those 400,000 settlers that were in the West Bank creating havoc for you know illegal settlements mm-hmm. actually to be moved to um, their new, well, Kazaria 2.0, but mm-hmm. they were going to stage them first in Crimea. That's a lot of people, 400,000. Mm-hmm. Jews yeah. in in Crimea, but can't you just hear the hissy fit some of them are having, like Hillary Clinton and all those, when the Cossacks and the Russians of Crimea voted like ninety five percent we want to be part of Russia, and the Russian yeah. Parliament not not Putin not Putin Russian Parliament voted to annex them as part of their country. Right, and, and there are people, and this is what the people of Crimea wanted. And then voila, mm-hmm. guess what happened? No more migration of Is- Israel Jews, Israeli Jews, yeah, into right. Crimea. Yeah, right, yeah. And yeah, I, and I can, yeah, and you can bet they're not welcome there. No, they're not. And okay. I can I can just imagine that the BB had a little hissy fit, probably such a bad one he had to remodel the inside of his place you know (laughs) breaking breaking (laughs) bottles you know busting doors and good for him you know he just used some of that uh saudi uh, money to fix it but anyway go ahead yeah probably broke his toilet too (laughs) 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 all right so now now, uh just to present to the listening audience the nature and extent of jewish intrigue and deception Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to Hamas, Hezbollah, and Al-Qaeda. And okay. the title, and that is coming from, I can't make, I don't know if this is Japanese or Chinese, but uh, you know, it's that scribbly uh, 
you know, the script that you get in the, in the Far East. Translated, Israel and the U.S. created Hamas, Hezbollah, and Al-Qaeda. Posted on November 18, 2012 by Washington's blog. Creating the enemies we now fight against. We've extensively documented that the U.S. and Israel created Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups in an attempt to fight other enemies. In order to make a boogeyman to give, to give us an excuse for attacking sovereign nations. Okay. Larry Johnson, a counterterrorism official at the U.S. State Department, says, quote, the Israelis are their own worst enemies when it comes to fighting terrorism. They are like a guy who sets fire to his hair and then tries to put it out by hitting it with a hammer. They do more to incite and sustain terrorism than curb it. Now, Doc, I know you're not surprised by a statement like that. Okay. Because we know that what the Jews are. They're total deceivers going back for 2,000 years. As one example, Israel helped create Hamas. United Press International reported in 2002, quote, According to several current and former U.S. intelligence officials beginning in the late 1970s, Tel Aviv gave direct and indirect financial aid to Hamas over a period of years. Israel aided Hamas directly. The Israelis wanted to use it as a counterbalance to the PLO, says <laughs> Tony Cordesman, Middle East analyst for the Center of Strategic Studies. Now, what's happening well, they today? Did, they didn't like they didn't like the Palestinians having so much of uh, right. Uh, uh, so, but let's talk about that for a second. You've got the Palestinians, which have more claim to the area, of course, than the yes. Israelis Jews. Than the Jews do, right? And 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 so you've got these guys. Okay, you've got the the. The genocide of the Palestinians has been occurring, and it's getting worse and mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. And all you have to do to understand what happens is happening in the Ukraine, especially the right. eastern part, is to look at what they're doing to eastern Ukraine. It's mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing to the, the Palestinians. Palestine, yes. Ukraine is becoming Palestinianized. By the Jews. There was a there was an article that was just released that one of the more western cities of eastern Ukraine has been totally completely leveled. Completely. Mm. It's as if okay, here's this country called Ukraine that says we're here to rule you, but what what are they doing? They're totally They're genociding them. They're destroying it, yeah. <clears throat> so Absolutely now, now let's We've got about 15 minutes. Let's connect the dots to uh, the war, coming war with Russia and the Ukraine's right. uh, involvement and why is so uh, the Ukraine such... I would look at, I think, yeah. the Ukraine is the... Uh, keep your eye on Ukraine right. for this war on, uh, of, on right. Russia... And and why don't you kind of connect some dots there, and then tell us where you think right. we might be going, and ha- if it connects at all to any prophetic stuff. You got about yeah uh, about twelve ten twelve minutes. Yeah, well, the obvious tactic of the Jews globally is to create puppet governments, and uh, and at the same time create terrorist organizations, which uh, in theory oppose the puppet governments they created. So it's actually managed warfare. They always control both sides of the war. Okay? 
And so the public is fed information that, well, the two sides are really are real enemies to each other. But in fact, both sides are puppets of the you know, global banking system. Okay, and the trick is to engage the people of a particular country, let's say Syria, on both sides, so they will fight against each other while the Jews sit back and laugh. Okay, now this is now Putin in Russia has figured this game out. You know, he's an old KGB man, he knows how the Jews operate. So he is taking a position, and he, I think he's being very coy and very and you know, being very sly by not saying too much, okay, and by not you know by not revealing all the cards in his hand. Okay, you want to play this game with me, you internationalist Jews? All right, well I'll play along. We'll just see. We'll just see how long it takes you to overthrow my government. Okay, because you're not. Which is what they have. Which is exactly what they want to do. That's right. Because he's interested in removing the central bank control by him. Right. Right. Yeah. They want. They want to JFK him. Is what they want to do. And this is why the so-called Western press is so anti-Putin, anti-Russia, in the current time. Okay. Even going to the extremes of calling him a communist. He's not oh, communist. He's not even close to communist. In fact, he <laughs> right. was he was chosen to uh, he was even put in charge of the FSB, which is the new kind of like KGB. Right. But he was put in charge of it before he became head of the country. You know what his job was? Well, Yeltsin wanted out of him. Okay. Route wow. out route out these Bolsheviks before oh, we okay. go to war. That's right. that was his job. Yeah. You know, okay. it, it's not hard to figure it out when you know you know what the the journal, the journal called Foreign Affairs you can get at the bookstore. You know yeah. it's called mm-hmm. Foreign Affairs uh, magazine is kind of a more like a little uh, book. Uh, yeah, a it's, po- it's policy a thick book. publication. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's put, put out by the Council of Foreign uh, Relations. Yeah, yeah, the CFR. Mm-hmm. Their latest it says according to the latest Council on Foreign Relations publication put out the la- end of last year. It's put out quarterly the last one, Mm -hmm. is that the problem, well, the Ukrainian crisis can be squarely blamed on Russian aggression. (laughs) Right. And it's the Russians who have done absolutely nothing to instigate anything. Well, Russia is is doing something horrible. Yeah, they're Uh, resisting global Jewry. That's what they're doing. That's the horrible thing they're doing. Yeah, Yeah. they're, they're sending relief into eastern Ukraine, food. Mm-hmm. And more food and more oh, yeah, that, food. That's, that, that's military, Doc. <laughs> yeah, that's military supplies. That's yeah, those food. bags of wheat can be... That's offensive wheat. That's offensive rice, right? That's offensive <laughs> medical supplies. <laughs> Got to get this right. You have to think okay, like a Jew. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah, absolutely, Doc. This is what's going on, and because the Jews control... The uh, the media, the mass media of the so-called free world, it's actually the slave world of the Jews, who use uh, deceit to brainwash the masses of every country, that uh, they're creating this fictitious scenario that the Russians are the bad guys and uh, that they're the aggressors. That's uh, absolutely false. The, 
Putin and Russia are not the aggressor here. It's the uh, it's the NATO countries run by the Jewish banksters that have been the aggressors in this whole Ukrainian scenario from day one. What if what if we saw China go to to uh, Mexico mm-hmm. and set up a whole bunch of missiles? <laughs> we got right. we went crazy for with Cuba. Right. Now here 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 is the uh, Zionist occupation of the United States and all of the non-Jewish oh boy supporters of their policies right. running yeah, over there Christian into Zionist. east yeah. right running over there into eastern Europe putting missiles in every possible country that will right. take them and they're not yeah. pointed uh, you know globally they're pointed at one source yeah. Now, yeah, now then they then they get upset that Russia is is upset. Trying, is, yeah, <laughs> right. is upset, and and yeah. they even actually put up some defensive yeah. missile systems. Yeah. Oh well, look, they're yeah. arming, they're arming. Well, yeah. they're on their own soil. They could play tiddlywinks if yeah. they want. Yeah. You know. Well, this is the beauty of Jewish propaganda. They can be pointing a shotgun at the face of Putin and call Putin the bad guy. Of course. So yeah. let's talk. Let's talk. We've got a, a few minutes, five minutes. Is this playing into prophecy for the end time? Well, yeah, yeah, it sure is. Uh, uh, the Jews are trying very hard to start World War Three. You know, the Battle of Armageddon, the, the mm-hmm. War of Gog and Magog. You know, that's talked about yeah. in, in Ezekiel and in the Book of Revelation. Okay. Uh, see, the problem is the Jews are getting in deeper and deeper. Uh, and they're actually the problem is they're making more enemies. The, the more they delay into uh, actually starting World War III, the more enemies they make, and, and the more former allies fall off the bandwagon. Okay, and also mm-hmm. become their enemies. Because uh, let's face it, and I think Germany, Germany, I think will actually be the linchpin if Germany ever rejects. It's NATO, European Union connections, which means if Germany rejects its Jewish connections, international Jewish and that, connections. And by the way, Eli, that's under consideration right now. That's right. That's right. They're considering. Right. This will be a major blow to the Jewish international and how mm-hmm. they run things, okay? Because Germany is really the only solvent country in all of Europe, okay? Yeah. So if they lose Germany... They, they, it's the beginning of the collapse of the They coalition. being the EU, the the right. and the, all the EU was set up to do is to put a another banking system in place to steal That's from right. Europe yes. because they wouldn't unify. They had to do that in order right. to steal from them. So you know that's what yeah. It's doing. easier to steal from one central bank than from ten different central banks. <laughs> right? Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the logic there. So NATO. And, uh, you know, the militant posture that NATO takes is directly connected to the European Union, which is a creation of the Rothschilds, so that Russia has become the chief scapegoat or boogeyman for all of NATO, European Union, Rothschild propaganda. Okay. Russia is totally innocent of any wrongdoing here. Russia didn't shoot down that plane. It was shot down by NATO. Russia did not invade Crimea. They actually had a treaty with Crimea to provide supplies. They didn't do any military stuff. They simply, as we talked about, 
were providing uh, you know relief supplies. Okay. Well, they also they always had a uh, a Russian base there anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, it goes back uh, uh, decades. Actually, it goes back decades. So, uh, but what what the Jewish press is doing is it's trying to say that Russia is somehow the aggressor in all this, when Russia had absolutely nothing to do with it. They were just standing around, you know, twiddling their thumbs when the, the Jewish uh, forces turned against the Ukrainian people. Now, now, once these Jewish forces turned against the Ukrainian people, uh, Russia gets upset about it, right? <laughs> and tries to assist the Cossacks, the real Ukrainians, not the Khazar Ukrainians, but the real Ukrainians, who, uh, you know, who are actually the victims of the current regime and uh, the international uh, globalist scheming against the true Ukrainian people. So Russia is an absolutely the, the, the moral, taking the moral high ground here, and Putin is winning. Putin is actually winning the propaganda war. You know, you well, he has re- he has remarkable restraint. Yes, he does. Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. remarkable. Now, That's because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, okay. it's a good thing I'm not doing it. I probably uh, uh, have already. I'd yeah, have been. Right. I'd have been like Peter. I'd have already pulled out the sword. You know. The, you, the, you'd have launched the. You'd have launched the torpedoes already. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of things that I want to get out. First of all, there's a undersecretary. Uh, excuse me, a uh, deputy of one of the uh, people in one of the houses of of Russia. There's the upper house and the lower house. They have a Senate, just like we do, and then they have yeah. a lower house. Right. And one of the deputy House members uh, said that they revealed intelligence that the United States was supposedly physically going to attack Russia in six months, mm-hmm. and that was late last September. So we're talking the first three or four months yeah. of this year. Right. So that might be an indication that we, if we start seeing Ukraine start attacking right. eastern europe eastern ukraine western ukraine attacking their own country on the in the east right. in a big big way here real soon in the next yeah, yeah. and russian days. support for for iran and syria is a major thorn in the side of the israelis but the israelis use uh, you know proxies to do their dirty work for them so they're using the saudis to do the dirty work for them so if they start this attack on eastern Ukraine from the western side with a really massive attack, uh-huh. I would I would suspect that's probably a good shot across the bow or a warning that we're about ready right. as U.S. people to attack. Right. And the other th- the other thing is if we see oil prices go below $40, we're probably getting close to doing a yeah. physical attack on Russia. Because, folks, when we get below $40 a barrel, our our Bakken oil shell reserves are not going to be dug into because uh-huh. it costs $40 per barrel to produce right. that oil. Yeah. And so that big old, uh, I guess you could say, explosion of... of, of uh, 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 you kind of like the uh, gold, the bust or the boom up there will bust, and it will come. To, and there's going to be a lot of complaints about, <laughs> you know, them not. And that's going to come to a screeching halt on production and our yeah. oil shell. Well, right. not, well either way you look at it, the, it's bar, gonna the kill, bottom. It's going to kill the American oil companies. Put it that way. Right. They right. can't so operate at a loss. 
and and they've been making a killing anyway. But yeah. what I'm getting at is, as soon as that we're under fifty dollars a barrel right now, okay. when it gets down closer to forty, and you're down to about a dollar sixty, maybe lower in gas, you are getting trepidly close to World War Three beginning. And so, right. people, you better well, uh, get ready. Yeah, as we ready. discussed on Wednesday, very briefly, the the whole purpose, the reason why the Saudis are dropping the oil prices to try to affect the Russian economy and try to beat them into submission. The problem is Russia is not dependent upon oil exports. Okay. No. So no, the international not. price of oil is not going to affect their internal economy at all, and they don't care about exporting oil. Well, they okay? just signed a second contract with China and and one with. There India, and that makes up more than half yeah. the population of the world. So what are they worried about? And Eli Russia spent, has been stockpiling gold. Yeah, getting ready okay. to back the ruble, probably. Right, exactly. Eli, yeah. it's been great. We could continue this. Folks, yeah. you can kind of get the idea here. This this battle has historical roots. It's on the way. It's probably going to blow up into the end-time scenario. And yeah. uh, we just want people it's to be aware. Keep your Keep your eyes on Ukraine yeah. and Russia, okay? Right. Absolutely. Eli, thank, right, thanks Doc, for coming thank on. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. That was Eli James. We're glad that he came on today. Give us a lot of history there of what's going on. And, folks, we want you to get ready. ready. We want you to be prepared. And when we get this, uh, um, well, when you see this stuff starting to fly, uh, batten down the hatch, folks. It's going to be massive. In the meantime, I'll see you Monday. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday here on the Waterman Files at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, 4 o'clock Central. Goodbye. Dream that I tripped over